So in tonight's talk, it's not about an aspect that deals directly with the practice of meditation, at least not in its narrow sense, but it will deal with something very important in our life. And as such, it will surely, or it surely informs our practice of meditation. It's about death. And the title of this talk is Death, Our Close Friend. Nothing is as certain in our life as death. We're gonna, sh we're gonna die for sure one day. There's no way we can escape death. And so we should be well prepared for the day death comes. And so the whole practice of meditation can be seen as a preparation for death, so that we will be able to death peacefully, calmly, that we'll be able to die well. As I said, death is certain. It's for sure that we are going to die. And it's interesting that in German there is the word Todsicher. It's two words combined, combined together. Tod means death. Sicher means certain, to be sure. So tot sicher, that certain. And I think it's very interesting to have the combination of these two words, because certain or sure already means that it is certain, but then to combine it with death, so really to, to stress the fact, yes, that's certain, that certain. There is a set of four reflections that I have practiced for many, many years during my many years of being a Buddhist nun. And these four reflections are called the four protective reflections because they can act as a protection. So these four reflections are the first is the reflection on the attributes of the Buddha. The second one is loving-kindness. The third one is the reflection on the non-beauty of the body. 
And the fourth one is the reflection on death. So they are called for the four protective reflections because when we engage in these reflections, we cultivate certain wholesome, beneficial qualities that then will act as a protection. They will protect our life. They will protect our mind. Basically protect our heart, our mind from unwholesome states of mind, from negative emotions, from harmful um, thoughts and emotions. And so what are the qualities that are strengthened and developed with these four protective reflections? As I said, the first reflection is on the attributes of the Buddha. Some of you might be familiar with the classical nine attributes of the Buddha that form the basis for this reflection on his uh, wholesome good uh, qualities. Like they start with Arahan, he is worthy of respect and honor. Sammasambuddha, he has become liberated by himself. Or Buddha, Buddha, is one of the nine classical attributes. Buddha meaning awake, he is fully awake. So by reflecting on this um, good, inspiring qualities of the Buddha, we strengthen our confidence, we strengthen our faith. Confidence and faith in the fact that we too have this potential to become fully awake, that we can become fully liberated from greed, hatred, and delusion. Faith in the Buddha as a teacher who showed us a way to reach this goal. Then with the second reflection, with loving-kindness, we strengthen the quality of loving-kindness, of benevolence, of friendliness, kindness. And with that, we weaken anger, aversion, hatred, or we overcome it. Then with the third reflection, the reflection on the non-beauty of the body, we can weaken and overcome strong and excessive attachment to the body, to our own body and the body of others. And with the last of these reflections, 
the reflection on death, we come to ever deeply understand the impermanent nature of our life, the fact that we are mortal, that we have to die one day. And so with this deep understanding that we are mortal, then a sense of urgency can arise, spiritual urgency, that we have to do what we think is important right now and not postpone it for later, when we are old or retired or when we have more time. So a sense of urgency and immediacy arises through this reflection. All of these qualities, faith, confidence, loving-kindness, non-attachment and spiritual urgency, they are very important on our spiritual journey. Without them, it's extremely difficult to um, advance on this path, on this journey. Let's say you're going for a day hike and so you pack your backpack, you take rain gear in case it's raining, you take some sunscreen, sunglasses, sun hat for protection from the sun, you also take some food, sandwiches, fruit, whatever, for when you're getting hungry. You're taking something to drink for when you get thirsty. And you also take a map, maybe even a compass, so that you don't get lost. And likewise, for our journey through samsara, we should also be well equipped. And with these four reflections, practicing, these four reflections, we can pack our spiritual day pack. So then, what we put in our spiritual day pack is confidence, loving-kindness, non-attachment, and a sense of spiritual urgency. And these four reflections, they can be done as I mentioned, on a daily basis. And it can be enough to just pr uh, practice them for a few minutes, let's say a couple of minutes for each of these four protective reflections. And so with that, when we do that in the morning, we pack our spiritual day pack and then we are well equipped for the day. The Buddha had encouraged his disciples time and again to reflect on death, to reflect on the fact that we are going to die, that we are mortal. 
the reflection on death is not only part of these four protective reflections, it's for example also part of the five daily reflections that one can do. And then to reflect, I'm of the nature to die. I have not gone beyond dying. The other of these five daily reflections deal with aging. I'm of the nature to age. I have not gone beyond aging. About sickness, about the fact that we are going to be separated from everything that is dear to us, agreeable, pleasant. And the fifth reflection is on karma. I'm the owner of my karma. This as an aside. So if we do this reflection on death in a bit more specific way or more detailed way, then we should reflect about the fact, first of all, that we are mortal, that we are going to die. But we also should reflect on the fact that we do not know when we are going to die. Tomorrow, in three months' time, in ten years, after fifty years. We also should reflect that we do not know how we are going to die, under which circumstances. And we do not know yet the fact, uh, we do not know the cause of our death. Well, the primary cause for our death, it's the same for everybody of us. The primary cause for our death is our birth, because we are born, we are going to die. Seneca was a Roman philosopher who lived just about 2,000 years ago. He also had understood this very clearly. He had said, When you die, it will not be because you are sick, but because you were born. So when we do this reflection on death over a certain period of time, when we do it uh, on a daily basis, then it's possible to make friends with death. Because it sinks ever deeper that we are going to die and that we have to die. Usually people say, oh yes, I know uh, I'm going to die. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. But actually this awareness of death is not very deep 
this becomes apparent when these people are confronted with their own approaching death or when they are faced with the sudden death of a beloved one. So the fact that then either fear arises or uh, unsurmountable loss or unconsolable grief, sadness that um, can be even going uh, into depression. So this shows that their awareness of death has not been really deeply understood. This shows that they have not been prepared very well for this event that is certain to take place. As I said, I had done this reflection on a daily basis over many, many years. And I have come to see that this reflection has helped me a lot in the past uh, three and a half years. And I've not only done this reflection on a daily basis for many years, but I have also done a whole retreat just on this reflection on death. In the same way as one can do a metta retreat and engage in um, cultivating the quality of loving kindness throughout the day in all one's waking hours, one can also do this reflection on death as a separate meditation. It's also listed as an object of meditation for doing samatha meditation, concentration meditation. And so one time I spent, I forgot, three weeks, four weeks, just on this reflection on death, reflecting on these different aspects, that it is sure I will die, I don't know when I will die, how I will die, what the cause will be, and so on. So as I said, this has really helped me a lot. Because three and a half years ago, I was diagnosed with a big tumor in the uh, sheen bone just above the ankle. And this was a secondary tumor of a cancer that I had uh, nine years ago. And after much reflection and consulting other doctors, I decided to have surgery to remove this tumor in the bone, which in this case meant to have the leg amputated below the knee. And so three years ago, I had a below the knee amputation.
and so now I have a prosthetic leg. Maybe you have heard the clacking of my foot when I leave the meditation hall after the Dhamma talks or the morning reflection. So anyway, the diagnosis of these two tumors, the primary one, the second one, the secondary one, really confronted me with death or with this high risk of a soon approaching death. But having done this reflection on death for quite a bit, I could notice that I was not completely shaken by this uh, news. I noticed that there was a certain equanimity in the heart, in the mind, realizing that I had made friends with death, that I had come to a quite an intimate relationship uh, with friend. So death was not this kind of fearful thing uh, out there. It was not that frightening thing that would push me into the abyss. On the contrary, so it was at that time that I noticed how much this reflection on death had actually helped me to face this fact that I had actually come closer to this friendship with death because it had been so so clear, yes, that I am mortal, that I'm going to die, and that death could come any time, the next moment, or in 10 years' time. So I realized that it was no longer only an intellectual understanding, but that this fact had sunk quite deeply into the heart, into the mind. And I have to say, this making friends with death has been quite liberating, quite freeing. Because I noticed that this underlying worry or underlying fear uh, around death was no longer there. The heart, the mind, doesn't need to worry any longer around this theme of death, because it's so certain, it's so sure. And with that, a burden that before I did not really notice as a burden uh, on my shoulder had uh, dropped away, had dropped down. And so this is freeing, quite liberating. And this brings lightness into 
into life. It brings also joy into life. Another result from this uh, reflection on death is the fact that there is a greater awareness, a greater appreciation of the beauty of life, greater appreciation on the preciousness of this life. And also, as I already mentioned, a much stronger feeling of samvega, spiritual urgency, is present. If people knew that they had only a short time left in their life, I think they would much more engage in meaningful things in their life. And I think it would be much easier for people to give up all the trivial things that they do in their life. Some years ago, I was teaching a meditation retreat in the Blue Mountains in Australia, near Sydney. And one meditator uh, came and said that she wanted to shave her head for this nine-day retreat. At that time, I was still a nun. And so I said, yeah, no problem. I have a razor. I can shave your head. And she was very happy that she could do that. And she told me why she wanted to do it. She said, only recently, a very close friend of hers had died of cancer. And so the sudden loss of her friend um, stirred her up quite a bit. And she said, so she started to reflect on her life. And she started to reflect, what do I really want to do in this life before I die? What are the things that are important to me? And so she started to write them down, make a list. And one of the things she wanted to do before she died was to shave her head. And so then she took the next um, opportunity uh, to do it. And so she did it. <clears throat> so this reflection on death should not paralyze us. It should not make us feel depressed or make sad. This would not be what the Buddha uh, had in mind. That's not um, the aim of this reflection. As I said, this reflection should rather arouse certain qualities or thoughts that are wholesome, that are beneficial. So I will mention some other qualities or thoughts uh, that can arise through this reflection, those, some which I have not mentioned so far. But what I'm going to mention is not 
an exhaustive list. There are other things that uh, might arise through this reflection. But one of the things that it can arise, arouse is that we want to live a good life. And for me, that's basically the main point, the central point. So can we say at any time that we have lived a good life? And with that, indicate the fact that we are ready to go. Do we have this inner willingness to go? Whenever, wherever. This would be the ideal. For David Morris, a well-known Western Buddhist scholar, this was the case. He died at the age of 85, and one of his good friends was Bhante Damananda, a Sri Lankan monk who then later in his life lived in Malaysia and spread the Buddha's teaching in Malaysia. So anyway, shortly after David Murray's death, Pantita Mananda got a letter from David Murray's, which he apparently must have written just before his death. And in the letter it says, Bante, you will be happy to know that I died today. There are two reasons for this. Firstly, you will be relieved to know that my suffering from the sickness has finally ended. And secondly, since I became a Buddhist, I have faithfully observed the five precepts. As a result, I know that my next life cannot be a miserable one. So he had no regrets, no worries. Another thing that can be aroused through this reflection is a sense of joy and gratitude for life. Gratitude for each day. Gratitude every morning when we wake up, that we have another day in front of us. Joy that we have woken up. This reflection also brings a greater sense of presence and awareness into one's life. So if we are really aware of our own mortality, then I found there is also a greater willingness to really be aware throughout the day. 
Another quality that can arise is equanimity. The sense of being able to take things as they come. Also to take things not so serious. And understanding that the world will go on even without me. A greater awareness of our own mortality also brings up more energy to cultivate wholesome states of mind, wholesome thoughts, wholesome emotions. And maybe this is based on the understanding of karma and its effects. Planting wholesome seeds will give rise to wholesome results. And with that also the fact um, we come to realize that when we die, we cannot take anything with us. No material belongings we can take. We have to leave behind other people, our possessions, property, everything we have to leave behind. Except our wholesome karma that we created during this life. This will be of benefit. And so with that also setting priorities that we do things we think important sooner than later. Better do them today rather than tomorrow. And so this also uh, creates energy to do the things that should be done, we want to do. Because cultivating wholesome states of mind and heart, that also needs some energy, some effort. They do not just come on their own. My mother used to say, von nüt und nüt. From nothing comes nothing. So we need to put in some effort, some energy into um, developing stronger things, wholesome things. A last thing that I want to mention is that this reflection on death also brings more clarity, a greater clarity about our goals and priority in life. So what is really important? Or which persons in my life are important? With whom do I want to associate? How do I want to live this life?
death. For many people it's not an easy thing. And the fact that it's a difficult issue for many people also shows the fact that many words for there are many different words for death or dying. Often people do not use the word death or dying, but use another expression, as if they were afraid that mentioning the word death would maybe make their own death happening faster, or maybe cause their death, or that they might get the death virus themselves. Anyway, we already have this virus in us. We don't need to worry about this. A Swiss, Swiss writer has written a book which takes place in Brazil and death is a central theme in this book and he has collected a list of different expressions that are used to talk about death or dying. So I just want to read a few of them. To take the wooden express, <laughs> to go to the better side, to pack one suitcase, to pay the bill, to close the eyes forever, to pull out the plug, the engine has stopped, or to no longer eat beans. So when I read these expressions, kind of occurred in my mind, how will I die? Will I pull out the plug? Will I take the wooden express? <laughs> will I no longer eat cheese? <laughs> how easy it, it is actually to die, is described by a Tibetan Rinpoche, Tulku Urgen Rinpoche. He said, It is said that the difference between being alive or death is a single breath. If you exhale and you do not inhale, you are dead. That's all it takes. In the late Middle Age, death was depicted as a skeleton, often holding a cycle in his hand. And so on these illustrations, one can see how death, the skeleton with the cycle, goes and calls people and takes them to the cemetery.
And so these kinds of illustrations, they came, be no, they came to be known as the dance of death, or uh, la danse macabre. And apparently the first uh, of these dance of death illustrations was on the wall of a cemetery in Paris. Le Cimetière des Innocents, and that was in 1425. And ever since then, this theme of death calling on us has inspired artists until present day to do this kind of illustrations called the dance of death. Only a few years ago, there was an exhibition on a great range of such illustrations in the parish where I live in Switzerland. It was organized by the Protestant uh, church. And a friend of mine, who is also an artist, helped to put up this exposition. And it was really very well done, done. And it attracted many people. And later, my friend told me that one member of the parish, when he saw this exp exposition, um, he left the church, he left the parish, and his reason was that such a topic was not fit for the Protestant church. <laughs> so back to these illustrations of the dance of death. As I said on these illustrations, one can see how death, as this skeleton with a cycle, goes and uh, goes to the king and leads him away. And the carpenter, and the queen, and the nun, and the priest, and the soldier, and the mother, everybody. Death is not choosing. He goes and uh, takes anybody, anytime, without being asked. Or has anybody of you received a letter from death saying that you should get prepared for such and such a day? Or getting the letter saying um, that he that death would be coming next Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Is it convenient? <laughs> so many people are afraid of death and dying. And basically, this fear of death is the primary fear that underlies all kinds of fears. And so this fear in regard to death has two components. 
One is the fear or the uncertainty how the actual process of dying will be. And the other uh, component is the fear of what comes after, after death. So the fear of dying, the actual process of dying. So how will it be? Will it be painful? Or will I die with a confused mind? Will I die during being or while being in a coma? When I die, what will I what will I feel? What will the sensations be like? Or the fear, the uncertainty, what comes after death? Is it heaven, bliss? Is it hell, the purgatory? Or is it another existence, rebirth? Or is it just nothing, annihilation? In regard to the fear of the actual dying process, in regard to that, we can do something by preparing ourselves for this fact that we are going to die and by cultivating good and wholesome qualities in our heart and mind to face such an event, a unique event in our life. But against the fear or uncertainty what comes after death, that's a bit more difficult to find out. We have different scenarios told, told by different people, religions. The Chinese master Sheng Yin, who passed away some years ago, he had a very pragmatic approach in regard to death. In order to diminish our suffering, Master Sheng Yin gave us the advice to think of death, to think about birth and death as a transformation when one phenomenon changes into another one. So he said, when water turns to ice, we should not regret that the water has disappeared. Maybe the ice will serve us better. So in regard to the fear and uncertainty how the process of dying will be, we can prepare ourselves to a certain degree by doing this reflection on death repeatedly and so in this way uh, to make friends with death, 
to become really intimate with death, the fact that we are going uh, to die. So then the prospect that we will die one day will not be such a frightening thing anymore. For me, it has rather become a great curiosity. How will it be when it eventually will happen? So this reflection on death can be practiced in a formal way, whether it be just this daily reflection like in the case of the four protective reflections, or whether it be a full retreat, just by doing this reflection on death, or spending a half an hour on this reflection on death every day, whatever. But this reflection on death can also be practiced quite spontaneously in the course of our life, in the course of our day. For example, if you walk past a cemetery, a graveyard, then we could stop for a few moments and reflect on the fact that one day we will be lying there too. Reflect that we are mortal too that so many people die every day. Or, I don't know if you still read newspapers, but um, if you do, then instead of just flipping over the pages with the obituaries, take a moment and read them and see that Erna Breitenmoser uh, has died aged uh, 84, uh, or that Samuel Beckett has died in an accident aged uh, 29. So then you'll come to see it's not only the old and sick people that die, but young people die, babies die, babies die the day they are born. can be quite powerful. Or, I don't know how it is here in the States, but when there is a funeral in a church, Protestant or Catholic church in Switzerland, then usually the, um, the bells are ringing. 15 minutes before the funeral service starts. And so when I hear the bells, like in the middle of the morning or quarter to two, quarter to three in the afternoon, then I know, ah, now uh, a funeral is going to happen. And so that's a moment where I can reflect, yeah, we are mortal. Somebody has died. One day it will be me. Maybe then the bells of the church 
will ring for me, for my funeral. So, it's a fact that we will die. That's for certain. And it's also for certain that we will be able to die. Even if we have never practiced this process of dying, we have never attended a seminar, we have never had um, real-life rehearsal, but we will be able to do it. To do it. We, don't need, we don't need to worry that we will fail. Even if people think they are a failure, because they have failed in life, they have failed in their profession, they have failed in relationship, even they will not fail. Pantisujiva is a Malaysian Buddhist monk, and in one of his books, he described how he would love to meet death. And I want to read this passage. Hello, death. How are you? I have been waiting you for a long time. All my life I have been anticipating you. Are you coming for me at long last? Is it time for me to go now? Yes, Des, I'm coming. Be patient, I'm ready. Can't you see I'm smiling? Yes, Des, I'm coming. I understand. You don't have to apologize. I know you've got a job to do. I hold no grudge, no hard feelings. It's nothing personal. I understand. Tess, it's all right. Actually, I'll come with you gladly. I'm tired. This body is like a broken shell. It has seen better days and has outlived its usefulness and time. As you can see, I'm already almost dead. And I have endured all this pain, trying to smile at all these visitors calling on me. Death, to tell you the truth, you should have come earlier. After all the pain, you are a welcome respite. You are a godsend. But enough of this talk. Death, let's not dally. Let's go. Come and hold my hand. I will close this talk with a verse that is usually recited at the funeral in Asian Buddhist countries. First, I will read the English translation 
and then I will chant it in Pali. And after that, we can sit a few moments quietly. Impermanent are all conditioned things of the nature to arise and pass away. Having arisen, they pass away. Their complete cessation is true bliss. Anichavata Sankara Upadavaya Dhammino Upachitavani Ruchanti Tesang Vupasamasukha Thank you for your kind attention. And now we will chant the reflections on sharing of Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.